I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Episode 22, The Bounce Back with Renee Slansky. You're listening to The Race for the Ring, a podcast about dating in the digital decade. I am your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm a PR queen, a published inspirational author, motivational speaker, mom, and dating diva. Each week, I'll have a special guest dish dating dilemmas and delights with me, and together we'll maneuver how to play the game, not get played, and claim the most prized possession, self-love. Ready? Set? go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Race for the Ring. We have a very, very special guest for you today. She is an international dating and relationship coach whose advice has basically touched millions and millions of people around the world. She's a dating advisor to some of the area's uh, largest dating sites, including Huffington Post, ABC, Russia TV, SBS, Your Tango, Daily Mail, eHarmony, Plenty of Fish, and so many more. And her main MO, in addition to her course, which we're going to get into a little bit, is the fact that she teaches about love education and schooling systems, which help women find and cultivate healthy, fulfilling relationships. And who does not want that? So welcome to the Race of the Ring, Renee Slansky. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Oh, good. I'm excited. And I love your Australian accent. It's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when I hear myself back in recording sometimes, I'm like, oh, do I sound like that? Ooh, oh, it's beautiful. Okay. <laughs> you know, back in the day, I had um, an Australian uh, associate with my MBN Associates Public Relations firm, and I made her do all of the outgoing like voicemail messages with her fabulous accent. It yeah. sounds so smart and like <laughs> polished. It was so nice. So awesome. And you're not, you're actually in France right now, right? Yeah, so I've been in Europe for the last two years. Um, I'm half European, half Australian, and my fiance is half Australian, half European as well. And we've just taken on a big project with renovating here in France. So that's why we're here at the moment. And I can't get back to Australia, even if I wanted to right now. Yeah, yeah. no, I know. But France isn't a bad place to be, even though you say it's not overly sunny, but still nice. Yeah, it's fabulous. I love France. What town are you in? Like what part of France? So I'm Southwest. So I'm like about two hours from Bordeaux, which is about an hour and a half from Spain, um, which is quite beautiful. It's near the Pyrenees mountains. But when you live near mountains, it's always green. And why is it always green? Because it always rains. So we do have a lot of rain and a lot of cloud, but it is a really beautiful region. 
Oh, that's awesome. I've been to France once. I've been to uh, Marseille. I, I spent some time there and I have an amazing hairstylist client, um, Julian Farrell, who's from Paris, like that area. So anyway, okay, getting into it. Like, <laughs> enough about geography, although I could talk about France for probably ever. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about overall who you are, what you do. Um, and let's talk a little bit about your course that you offer. And then we're going to dive into toxic relationships, how to identify them, how to stay away from them, how to not repeat them. And then also about the bounce back and how to um, do the, the hard work and improve yourself so that you don't land in another bad situation. Yeah. So basically I started, uh, Ooh, I started it all off with my blog, which was just purely out of passion and also out of frustration, to be honest, <laughs> I was, uh, dating a man that had a child and this was back in 2013. And there was still a little bit of taboo when it came to, you know, dating someone that was a single father, what it's like to be the other woman, uh, dating apps had only just kind of started. So talking about all this and the struggles was something that not a lot of people discussed. And I basically wanted to share my feelings and my thoughts. I always had a passion for, for love and relationships. And um, I just started off there. I started off writing from that. That became the number one dating relationship blog in Australia that I went on to write for other publications and mm -hmm. uh, basically share my wisdom. I went from 10 years of toxic dating, um, having really low self-esteem, low self-love, low value, constantly chasing men to then getting the help that I needed and, um, finding my dream relationship with myself first, I must say, and then attracting, you know, my fiance into my life, literally within a matter of like a couple of months and just completely changing my story, my love story, you know? And from there I started uh, moving into coaching because I was requested to, I never really wanted to, but then I was asked to, and I thought, okay, why not? Mm -hmm. um, and it all just, it just went on from there. And from there I've been able to curate uh, three different programs online which has helped women break, you know, cycles and cycles that have maybe been going on for decades when it comes to self-sabotaging and pushing away the right men and attracting the wrong ones. I've mm -hmm. had women uh, from ages 19 through to their 60s work with me. Wow. I've had over 300 people come through and do my programs. Um, and I've helped women literally like find their husbands. You That's know, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to dive in more into that, but before we do, I want to go backwards a little bit, rewind. So with you, I just didn't want to interrupt you because I was like so enamored by everything you were saying. So um, when you were in your darker place, when you were feeling low and you didn't have strong self esteem and kind of getting those toxic situations and so forth, what is there any one thing that that you attribute to that? Um, and you know, um, obviously you did the hard work to kind of come out of that. Um, but can mm. you share a little bit about what you learned personally? And obviously now I'm imagining you kind of share some of that, your own experiences, as well as, you know, the overall like foundation, um, of, of concrete information with your, your, your clients yeah. and so forth. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The funny thing is, is almost every single person that I work with, I'm like, oh, I've already lived part of your story. Um, <laughs> it's, it's amazing how much I packed into, how much disaster I packed into 10 years. <laughs> I bet I can oh, probably right. compete with that, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but I think, look, I remember uh, basically, you know, they say as soon as you hit rock bottom, it's, there's no way else up, but up from there. And yeah. you don't realize that 
what you don't really realize what rock bottom looks like until you're sitting in it, in that confusion, in that hurt and that pain. Um, and that's when I had that epiphany. I was like, okay, it can't just be the men that I'm dating. They can't all be, you know, assholes. They can't all be narcissists. <laughs> they can't all be like this. I have to be contributing in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that, you know, I was the common denominator in my own life that I like in my Instagram post I did today, I was yes, dating men who had baggage, but I was also bringing my baggage into it as well by creating drama because I assumed if I created drama, then I got a reaction from him and any sort of reaction and any sort of attention was better than no attention at all. Because right. a lot of females minds, when we get attention, we equal it with validation, which isn't the truth. And so when I had that, what would you do to get the drama? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, why? Oh, oh well, <laughs> um, I, hate, okay. I hate drama, but I don't know. Maybe I also like subconsciously created who knows you know yeah. i mean i'm sure we all are guilty of that a little bit if you're yeah yeah and that's that's the thing i think a lot of the time we don't know that we're self-sabotaging we just assume that we're just having difficulty in love when in mm-hmm. reality we can be subconsciously contributing to that difficulty or tribute uh, triggering other people's behaviors that aren't going to serve us in a relationship mm-hmm. so i used to do things like you know use the silent treatment um to punish, uh, manipulate, I guess. I used to, uh, I, I got out of a moving car once. Just Are you kidding? No. Did you get hurt? No, because he was slowing down and we were having a fight and I literally pulled over the door, got out of the car and then stormed up the hill and hid behind a wall so that he was oh driving around God. looking for me. Yes, not some of my finest moments. Wow. Um, <laughs> all this stuff because obviously I've grown from this and I've moved forward. Yes, and so of course. Uh, yes. I don't, I mean, and then I'm like, Oh yeah, crap. And I did this and I did that. Uh, what else did I do? I've, you know, done the usual stalking, um, accusations, uh, not major, major. She's a crazy psycho person, but definitely reacted in a way that wasn't healthy and which didn't help the situation. Because you were frustrated with your boyfriend or was it, yes, that's why you were just like wanting him to give you some sort of like attention and he was like kind of giving Mm. you the cold shoulder or wasn't like texting you or calling you or something like that. Yeah. But not only that, I think women create drama in relationships because it gives you a sense of control. It gives you a sense of I've got the attention on me, so therefore I've got power at the moment. And he Hmm. wants me, even though he doesn't necessarily want you in that version, but he's obviously reacting to what you're doing, which makes you feel I'm wanted, I'm needed, it's on me now. And that is always better in a mind that hasn't been healed as opposed to having no attention and no silence at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm the sort of person, I mean, look, I've always struggled with going cold turkey. I could never just like go cold turkey whenever I went through breakups. I had to like wean myself off somebody. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me to do the mature way back in the day of going, okay, no, I'm just not going to talk to you a few days because I realized that I deserve it. I couldn't do that. Instead, what I used to do is I would always have an ultimatum. Well, if I'm going to, I know that you're going to message me if I don't message you back and that means that I've got the power um I see okay and then it makes you feel like you've got some sort of control over a relationship that 
isn't healthy in the first place, but then you're kind of trying to fix it and justifying it through toxic behavior. And it all becomes this really messy thing, uh, which obviously isn't healthy. And no, cause it makes you sick. Doesn't it? Like, I, I don't know. It makes my stomach physically sick. Like all yeah, that. It does. It does. Yeah. And it doesn't bring you any peace and it doesn't bring you any progress and it doesn't change the person that you're with either. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we think if I do this reaction, this extreme, then he'll want to change. He'll want to be the man. But the truth is it's like trying to make an orange an apple. If I'm already dating an orange and I want him to be an apple, he just, he isn't going to have the capacity to be able to be there. And that's why now I focus on any of my teaching saying to my girls, okay, you know, understand that if you want to find this husband or find this man that you want to be with, you've got to learn to identify what that actually looks like in a person instead of just dating another type of person that's your type and trying to change them yeah. into who you want them to be. Yeah. So are you, so how do you then do that? Like if you're attracted to type A, how do you like train your brain to go to type B, you yeah. know, in that way? That's hard. Although I totally understand what you're saying. I'm actually in that situation myself. Um, mm-hmm. I, not now, but like in general, I find myself gravitating to the same types of people and they're not obviously like serving me. I mean, I'm still single. So clearly I haven't been served yet. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was coming. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just curious. Okay. Um, Okay. So it's not necessarily about trying to force yourself to feel something for someone that you don't feel anything for. We all have a a type that we're attracted to. Uh, For example, I'm attracted to say uh, a man that is a leader um, and a man that is into fitness and a man that has a business mindset. Okay. Mm-hmm. The reason why I had a father who had leadership qualities, I had a father that was very much into fitness and um, a father that was just kind of like a little bit like an alpha male. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's ingrained. Obviously your father is your first version of a male love in your life. Mm-hmm. So that becomes mm-hmm. ingrained in, mm-hmm. in your system and in your brain. Mm-hmm. Now I went out automatically looking for that just like you've gone out and you're automatically looking for what you want in your life hence why you attract Mm -hmm. certain type of men or feel drawn to them now -hmm. if you have unresolved issues within yourself for example boundaries is a huge one if you're someone that is a compliant boundary person and a compliant boundary person is someone that basically is a doormat and just says, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Whatever. Then you're more, most likely to attract the opposite, which is someone who has manipulative boundaries, meaning they don't know how to have boundaries with themselves. So they then manipulate other people to do whatever it is they want because they don't know how to deal with their own stuff. And so that's opposites attracting, right? That's me. Are you contended? All right, go right. on. <laughs> yeah. So okay. that's your type. That's your preference in your brain okay and Mm -hmm. your preferences in your brain is based on what you've been subjected to as a child and then you're just an adult and you're living this and you're creating this cycle so your brain's always just going to do what it always knows to do it's not until Mm -hmm. you because it's comfortable right right and it's easy it's easy your brain wants to always take the most easiest route even if it isn't beneficial to us gotcha now The way to be able to redirect so you're attracted to someone who is good for you, someone who is loving, Mm -hmm. is not necessarily going, well, I always date blondes, so now I need to date brunettes. Mm -hmm. It's more about going, okay, why don't I get a level of self-awareness about why I'm attracted to these type of men and why it ends up toxic? And if you've pinpointed it to, okay, it's boundaries and it's because I have this and then they have that. All right, how do I start choosing to date men who have characteristics of someone that doesn't have manipulative boundary problems, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're able to educate yourself on yourself and Mm -hmm. love 
and what it, the fundamentals are to have a healthy relationship, you can then identify the characteristics in that person and start to explore what it's like to be with someone that is able to treat you well. And to be honest, you'll reject it at first. So you have to do the soul searching and the digging inside before you're able to obviously open the floodgates and kind of put your toe in the water into an uncertain territory, if you will. Correct. Yeah. And that's, I guess, some of the meat and potatoes of your course. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, funny enough, I started my course, my eight week course ready for romance. Um, Again, just out of, okay, well, here's love education. And I want these women to be able to have the fulfilling relationship with themselves and attract a dream man and get a husband. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately these women come to me saying, okay, Renee, I want to find my man. I want to find my man. I want to find my man. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that every single one of them finds is themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking like women are breaking, like I said, decade long cycles of rejection of themselves, of self-sabotage, you know, not having self-esteem or confidence, all of that. And they're just having this unwavering foundation of self-love. And because of that, they're then having the ripple effect across their life, like in their career, in their friendships, um, automatically having the right men be drawn to them. And so they've got this abundance instead of this mindset of scarcity and lack, mm-hmm. um, and they are in this position to be able to go, okay, I don't need to lower my standards. I don't need to settle for second best because I realize mm-hmm. that I do have an abundance of great men around me because mm-hmm. I'm worthy of that. It makes sense. They just sort of like, I guess they gravitate to your energy and stuff like that, right? Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Um, so who's in your course? Are they all like women of different ages and professions and like d- people who've been divorced, people who've never been married, sort of like, Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much everyone. So I think the youngest I've ever had was 19 years old. Um, So I've had students. um, I've had, I've got people all over the world. I'm talking literally all over the world, uh, anywhere from Cyprus through to Israel, through to Japan, uh, you name it, Australia, France, everywhere. Um, I have had the oldest client I've had uh, was almost 60 years old you know, and she had gone through a divorce. I've had single mothers. I've had uh, highly successful uh, multi-million dollar CEOs come in and they're gorgeous and they still can't find love. And then I've had um, people that were, you know, just, I guess, doing everyday life and still struggling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really- And everybody had the same underlying situation where they didn't like fully appreciate who they were. That was the main thing, whether it be like someone that, that I imagine the millionaire woman probably had issues because she's so successful. A lot of men find that intimidating. Not all, but some find that to be a little bit intimidating, I, I would imagine. And maybe others have like more her, out than others. Her issue was actually she just lost her identity as soon as a man gave her attention and she turned into a doormat. Oh, wow. So, Funny how we have stereotypes of, okay, this is what, this is what this person struggles with when not necessarily. Um, the main thing is that women come not being fully aware of why they're in this position in the first place. Mm-hmm. And secondly, they don't really have an awareness of how men work because the relationship is made up of two people. If you don't right. have an awareness of how the other gender works, you're just going to be shooting in the dark there. And they don't understand what the fundamentals are of dating, dating strategically, dating smart. Love isn't mean, meant to be that difficult. Um, so they've all definitely got common, common blocks, which is why the course works for everyone because it's usually why we're stuck in the first place. Gotcha. And is your course The Love Sanctuary? Is that what the title? Is it Umbrella by The Love Sanctuary overall? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, no, so the Love Sanctuary is an online uh, 
not webinar, but it was an online course that I was a part of. So I was one of the coaches. To okay, be able to gotcha. Go in and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've been, okay. a, I've been um, invited to be on a few uh, online events uh, with different coaches around the world where there's usually about 20 of us women, which is amazing. And that's something like if anyone you know, feels they can't invest in this area, there are so many free online events that are just full of revelational knowledge and practical tips. My course is called Ready for Romance um, and it's an eight-week course. Um, it has over 30 hours of coaching in there. It's something that you work at your own rate, but it's laid strategically to actually pull you through the progression of setting yourself up to attract a healthy relationship whilst also building the relationship with yourself. That's awesome. And I know you speak a lot to the, the various five, I believe, love languages. Is that right? Yeah. Um, actually, coincidentally, reading that book as we speak, because I had another expert on, um, we recorded it like two weeks ago, and she spoke a lot about this book. And I had heard it from a friend, and I was like, I'll give it a, sh a you know, I thought it was more about like, well, I guess it is to kind of identify what your love languages are. So let's talk about that and the importance of knowing your love language and I guess the love language of the person you're dating so that you can communicate effectively um, in that way. Yeah. So love language is for people who uh, aren't aware. It's basically, it's the way that we give and receive love. And it's usually based on how your parents loved you or how you felt rather loved by your parents so mm -hmm. if you had parents uh, give you lots of quality time chances are quality time will be your love language to feel loved by somebody else in your life now how you receive love isn't necessarily how you give love for example my love language i think is actually um quality time and acts of service because for me i like to feel like a priority if he's thought about doing something specific for me that mm -hmm. makes me feel like I'm not just lost in the numbers. I was one of four. So obviously when my mum did something specific for me, it showed that there was thought behind it. Um, my way to give love is uh, probably words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. um, me too. And probably we can have a primary and secondary love. And my secondary love probably is access service. I do a lot of thoughtful things to be able to show that, you know, I am thinking about that person. Now, there's five different ones. So there's quality time, uh, acts of service is doing things. Uh, physical touch isn't necessarily sex. Physical touch is affection, um, mm -hmm. hugging, um, sex and intimacy is obviously involved in that as well. Um, you've got words of affirmation and you've also got um, gifts. Now for men, I believe personally that for men, their main love language is words of affirmation and then physical touch. It usually doesn't vary it between men. Most of the time, it's the same for men. My um, husband, my ex-husband was gifts, yeah, which sounds awesome, but it really, I mean, it, it, it was nice, but I was like, I'd rather just, yeah, I mean, I'd rather have something else. <laughs> oh, so he gave <laughs> you gifts? He, he was there. Oh, yeah. He was like, yeah. yeah, he gave me a lot of gifts. He was very, very generous. And I was very, very grateful. I don't want to come off that I wasn't, but I mean, it's nice to have gifts. I, I, mm. I think most, most people like to receive them, right? I certainly mm. am a giver. I like to buy things for people that mm. I care about. But I, I know, like, at least in that relationship, that, that was not only his primary love language, I think that was his main, like, maybe his only language. <laughs> right. So I sort of felt like, I, I don't know, I just, I, I wanted more than a gift most of the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. And that's, that's not, that doesn't make you bad or anything. That's just yeah. your preference. That's your way to receive love, especially if you're, 
you're, if you don't feel prioritized, it's usually your love language then is, okay, I want quality time. I want you to spend time with me. I don't mm-hmm. want you to give me gifts to make up for time. The thing is with a lot of men and whenever I coach men, I say to them, okay, if you're, if you're wanting to give gifts, you have to give a thoughtful gift. It's not just about, you know, doing this or that. It could be something as simple as going and picking flowers, wild flowers from a field somewhere and bringing them to her and going, hey, I saw these and I thought of you. It's more about the thought because we're women and we're emotional and we need that connection and we need all that. We tend to go, okay, we like the gift, but more than anything, we want to know the thought that's actually gone behind the gift. So if any men are listening to this, yes, that's a little bit of a tip. We have a lot of male (laughs) listeners actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. No, that's true. That's a very good point. How about, um, how about the words of affirmation? I know this kind of weaves in a little bit with um, you know, putting it actions with words and then going back to the toxic, you know, the toxic relationships and stuff like that. That's kind of going to go backwards a little bit, but I, what's the difference between strong words of affirmation versus someone who's just kind of band-aiding or just sort of like fluffing over something and not like living through, you have to like open your eyes and kind of like take in the action versus the empty promises and things like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So words of affirmation, a huge, for men. So they need words of affirmation to feel loved. So when I say the men's, most of the time, the man's primary love language to feel love, not necessarily give love mm-hmm. is words of affirmation. He needs words of affirmation. And this is why women, you can literally change your relationship by starting to affirming your, your man a little bit more. And when I say affirming, I don't necessarily mean buttering him up and, and, you know, playing to the whole ego. I mean, affirming and confirming who he is and what he does for where mm-hmm. he's at. Okay. Now, if someone says something and then doesn't follow through with it, obviously you have to look at actions. You can't just look at words. You have to look at uh, patterns and not promises, especially if you're in a relationship where you're dating someone and he's always saying, oh, this, oh, that, or this, or that. Truthfully speaking, I believe words of affirmation don't have malintention. I believe words of affirmation come from a place when you're really stepping into a proper love language. It is loving. It is, mm-hmm. okay, I love you, and then their actions reflect love, okay? Gotcha. Or it is, I think you're beautiful, and then their actions reflect that they actually do think you are beautiful. Someone just saying something doesn't necessarily mean that that is their love language or that's their way to, to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to obviously look at behavior. Now, if they, if they think that, okay, she feels loved when I say that, but then they're not following through with that behavior, that is up to you to communicate. Hang on a second. I know that you're saying this and I appreciate it. However, I would feel more loved if you actually spent time with me instead of just sending mm-hmm. me a text during the day. Mm-hmm. So communication is always going to be the glue here. Communication is what helps you set boundaries to work out whether or not this person is actually acting with love towards you, even if you don't feel it or whether they've got another agenda. Um, it's also the way for you to communicate how and what you need in a relationship to feel fulfilled whilst also asking what they need. So it becomes a two way street. That's really good advice. Okay. So, um, back into the, the eight week module that you put to, that you obviously offer your clients, which, which week out of the eight would you say is the hardest for them to kind of dive into? Oh, you know what? I think it's the first two weeks because that's where everyone gets the most breakthrough in the first two weeks. Some people are getting more breakthrough in those first two weeks than they are in decades of therapy. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I teach therapists, I teach coaches, I teach psychologists. Um, so I'm teaching professionals who deal with this stuff on a daily basis and still feel stuck. And then when they do this, I guess it's because I'm addressing things 
that maybe they haven't thought about before. It's like when somebody gives you a whole new perspective and you're like, oh, I never saw it that way. And it's this revelation that yeah. brings release. And I've had women come in and I'm talking women who haven't been able to sleep properly, like they've had insomnia for the last six months. They haven't been able to go to the toilet. They've had their hair falling out. And literally within the first two weeks, they can sleep. Wow. It's like, it's psychological. It's things like we're, we're releasing baggage and we're bringing stuff up. We're going, okay. And I even say in the first four weeks of the course, you're not allowed to date. You're dating yourself. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And yeah. 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 It's, it's always hard to confront stuff, but I do it in a very loving way. And I do it in a way not to condemn. I do it in a way to educate. Mm-hmm. Well, you did it with yourself. So you're, mm. you can walk the walk really, because yeah. you know, you're the example. So that's great. People can say, they, you know, they can look to you and know that you've been through it with them already. You know what I mean? So mm. it's, it's not as though you don't understand where they're coming from. Um, how about when the discovery of self-love? Does that sort of come toward the end or is that an ongoing process throughout the duration? So self-love, it's so funny. Everyone thinks it's a destination. Self-love isn't a destination. Self-love is a daily practice. Yeah. It is something that if you don't continue to nurture it, it will fade. And, if, and when I say nurture it, not only you effectively doing something every day, but also putting yourself in an environment that nurtures it like a healthy relationship, mm-hmm. whether that's a healthy relationship with your family, your friends, your work, or your spouse or whoever you date. Um, you can have the most amazing self-love, which is what I find a lot of women do. They, they get to this new confidence level. Uh, this is before they come and work with me. They're like, no, no, I, I'm fabulous. I'm this, I'm that. And then as soon as they get into a relationship, they lose it. Really? They lose their identity. Yep. They lose their identity. They put this man on a pedestal. They put the relationship on a pedestal and they lose themselves and they lose their confidence. And then he pulls back and then they just try to run after him and basically just all goes down the drain. Then when that relationship ends, they all of a sudden get back to themselves and they're all strong and strong again. And then in a relationship, bam, happens again. So self-love is something that you have to be constantly mindful of and understanding that you're never going to be perfect. And this isn't about arriving. This is about understanding that self-love is a journey. Mm -hmm. That is something that as long as you are focusing on the fundamentals to be able to feed that in a way that it is empowering, not entitling. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to move into a part of ego or entitlement. That is where you start um, learning to accept yourself for who you are and where you're at, even if you're not exactly where you want to be. Just accept yourself. It makes sense. I mean, it's just like any relationship that you have to nurture. So you don't want to obviously ignore your, exactly. your relationship with yourself because you found another relationship with a partner that's obviously of a romantic nature. Um, and then, you know, I mean, unfortunately it would end or maybe it wouldn't, but nevertheless, you, I think if you mm. lose yourself, it's going to end inevitably, correct? Wouldn't you say? I think, you know, it's never just going to be as fulfilling. There is no... Yeah there's nothing more fulfilling than, than falling in love with who you are and knowing that it is enough. And, right. you know, you are your own rescue. You are your own fairy tale. And that's probably the, one of the biggest revelations that I had that is that I am my own love and anything else on top of that is just a bonus. Right. And not only that, I think that if you really know how to solidify that self love and those practices of self love, you also attract someone who nurtures that self love in you. Now it's not his job to save you or do your job of loving yourself what he mm-hmm. should be doing is still continuing to nurture self-love within you. 
So if you are indeed, um, you know, ending a relationship, you're in a toxic one, or you just were in one that wasn't serving you, um, in regards to the bounce back, which is obviously the theme of the show, um, you're obviously everything we've been talking about is more or less like diving into yourself and learning how to obviously appreciate yourself and find some, you know, aspects of yourself that are like unconditional love, um, you know, worthy, if you will. Um, and then obviously then go back out there, right. And then try to find somebody that's going to match what you have to bring to the world. Correct. Yeah. I think that if you've gone through a breakup, take your time to grieve and definitely take that time to heal. There's no point, uh, substituting pain for a temporary pleasure. It's not going to sustain you. It's not going to bring you yeah. happiness. There has to be a process. Are you even ready to date? And that's one of the things that I actually teach my girls. Uh, and even when they get to that module, I'm like, and the very first thing that I say at the beginning of that module, okay, you're about to learn how to date strategically and smart. But the first thing you need to assess is, are you even ready to get back out there? Because if the answer is no, I don't want you dating. And we often confuse accessibility or availability with permission. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can do this. So I should do this. And that's mm -hmm. not necessarily so just because you have access to dating apps, just because someone has asked you out doesn't necessarily mean that you should. If you don't know what it is that you want and need, what it is that a relationship needs to, to be fundamental and healthy, then you're just going to be blind dating. You're going to be going out there shooting in the dark, hoping that you'll get something different, but I can guarantee you 1 million percent, you will get the same thing in a different person because your brain will just continue to go towards whatever it has gone before. It will mm -hmm. automatically seek out what it knows. And if what it knows is toxic and unhealthy, like what you've had in the past, guess what? You've, you've won the sour lottery again. It's, it's not <laughs> going to change. I like that. The sour lottery. That's funny. I mean, it isn't, but it is. No, I, I agree. And I think some of, at least my friends, a lot of them feel like, um, they may, they may not want to date or, you know, but it's just like they should date. So they're, mm -hmm. cause they're single and they, why they should push themselves. They have to push themselves. I'm like, you don't really have to push yourself. Like if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. There's nothing wrong with hanging out. Like, and just like, having a girl night or just watching exactly. a movie or reading a book or, you know, doing a million other things for your, for your self-improvement, you know, betterment yeah. it doesn't mm. have to, you don't have to spend time with a guy or, you know, whoever, you know, your preference is. It's, I don't know. I agree with what you're saying um, fully. So, um, okay. I can't believe we're wrapping up. So if people are interested in your course, so let's talk a little bit about that really quickly. Like, is it an ongoing thing? Is it, um, do you take like multiple students, quote unquote, of, you know, at the same time? Is it one-on-one? -on -one? Um, and how do they find you to do that? Yeah. So basically they can just find me probably the best way to do is on Instagram because then they can send me a direct message, uh, which is just at Renee Slansky, or you can follow me on my YouTube channel again at Renee Slansky. Uh, my course is for women only. So sorry guys that are listening to that. It is only for women. Um, as I said, it has over 30 hours of coaching there, breakthrough exercises. You get lifetime access. There are eight live coaching webinars. There isn't any one-on-one -on -one working with me through the course. Mm -hmm because there is so much to consume, mm -hmm. but that is an added on option if they want. Um, and it is something that at the moment it is open full time, uh, but with a couple of things changing, that might not be happening. Um, it is an investment, absolutely. And it does come with a payment plan, but I, you can ask any one of my, my girls that have done it and they will tell you it is an investment that has return on it for life. 
That's awesome. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Renee. You've been awesome. Enjoy France. And, and you're renovating with, with your partner, so you're in a relationship now? Oh, good. Yeah, we've been together for six and a half years. We were actually meant to get married this year. Oh, um, congratulations. Everything got postponed. We're still getting married oh, uh, yeah. on paper, but we have to postpone the wedding till next year, the actual celebration. Yeah, I think that's unfortunately the case for so many couples, but at least you found him. That's awesome. Happy for you. All right. Well, thank you. And um, I'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Race for the Ring. If you liked today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast, just like a dull dude can be the kiss of death to a date. I'll catch you next week. And in the meantime, Be sure to say hi and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My handles and contacts are in the show notes. It's been my pleasure to have you along for today's dating debate. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.